Living Podcast. I'm here with Daniel Roth and of course Brian Grafstein and I hope I'm here with myself Shimon Darwick Birnbaum. Are you here? Yes, we're all here. Daniel Roth is an incredible human being, one of the uh, leaders I would say in ancestral healing um, here in my world and in many people's world. So I'd love you Dan to speak about ancestral healing in relationship to the exploration of joy. That's really what we're going for in that it's really confusing to look back and think that looking back somehow relates to looking forwards and creating joy. And I'd love for you to share your story about how you found uh, your way to bring forth your podcast, you know, specifically about healing and, um, and ancestry. Well, so good to be here. Thanks for having me on. And overall, I'm a pretty joyful person. And so I, I think it surprises some of the people in my life when I start talking all about dead people. <laughs> and they're really surprised by how much time I spend during my, my waking life. Um, in communication with those who are long gone. And um, yeah, so for me, just to connect the dots, you know, I found having really deep connections with my ancestors, one of the most, uh, most, the deepest wells, you know, the deepest reservoirs for my joy in this life. Like without a doubt, I, I, you know, go through life feeling a kind of deeper anchor through all the ups and downs and like the challenges and the intensity and the passing of people and the birth of people. I just feel a much deeper anchor when I, I feel connected to my own ancestors, to the bigger ancestral story that we're all part of that connects us all actually. Um, I found that's a really deep pathway to find authentic relationship to homeland and parts of the earth that our families have been walking on. You know, I, I find that a lot of people are looking for a, a nature connection or connection to the environment to care about the environment more deeply and I think it really matters where your lineage has been walking on the planet and what ecosystem they were from and how hot was the sun and how cold was the water and what fish did you eat so those those pieces for me are all connected it's not just a psychological interest in ancestral healing. It's really, for me, a lifelong journey on reconnecting to homeland and 
having a really active conversation in my spiritual and psychological life with my ancestors. That's a little bit of where I'm at these days. I, uh, this is one part of my life and, you know, it, it's kind of taken a hold of me and, you know, sent me into some new areas. Like I didn't realize I'd go into like podcasting. So if you had asked me a few years ago, if I was going to be a podcaster and what would my podcast be about, I would have uh, guessed incorrectly. <laughs> <laughs> what would you have guessed a few years ago? I, I probably would have guessed something around the environment and justice, perhaps, or um, social entrepreneurship. Um, but, you know, as you know, I, you know, you, I, Shimon have, have kind of talked pretty deeply about the specific ancestral journeys and ancestral kind of adventures that I've been on. But before some of those, I, um, I felt kind of disconnected a bit, particularly from my Jewish ancestry. And that's in part because I just didn't know the names of people beyond my great grandfather. And that felt limiting. You know, I felt in some ways it kind of felt vague and foggy when I looked back in that direction. And that, uh, you know, so I, I just did, I just wasn't really that involved in it, you know, until five or six years ago, really. I love that. I love that you've started to kind of go in on that stuff. And it's making me remember, I mean, so it's funny because like, I feel like since I've met Shimon, I've been rediscovering my ancestry too, because the Jewish heritage rides so, so well with Shimon. And my dad was Jewish and, you know, I've, I was raised, my mom is Catholic. So I was raised somewhere in the middle. <laughs> I was raised as a Catholic for the most part, but I always was searching searching for everything else and um and recently now that i've my, my dad's passed on and now i've had a baby i've been thinking so much about my ancestry and my backyard is these rolling hills and i, I my, my mom actually paid to get um the family <laughs> our our ancestry uh, uh you know like the dna test and it's kind of funny because you know we're we're all the same family right so <laughs> but uh it turned out that and also my mom is adopted too so we're not really sure what her heritage was before that and you know i'm, I'm a big dude with big red beard and red hair so i i've always had an inkling that i was pretty irish or scottish or something and the results of course came back that i'm from claire ireland from that that half and it's been really interesting now, like just living where I live and looking out in the backyard and thinking like, man, this would be like a beautiful spot to have some sheep. And I'm thinking about just like the whole idea that like my heritage is a lot of sheep herders, right? And like, and what, what did a lot of Irish folk do is they, they contemplated a lot. And I am a very contemplative person. <laughs> so I've been really connecting to this a lot in, in the past months and, and years, really. And it's nice to to hear that other people are thinking about this. <laughs> you're gonna be count, you're gonna be counting sheep before you know it. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is, and this is, you know, we're approaching Passover coming up, you know, starting Saturday night and, um, you know, it's a Passover maybe for all people this year. Really, I hope that this is a Passover, that this passes over <laughs> and done. You know, that to some degree, that at least one level of Passover, one of the real plagues, you know, death of the firstborn, you know, there's been so much death from this plague. And now here we are, <clears throat> you know, just to pause for a moment and honor that. Let's just. Yeah, let's pause a moment. Um, let's pause a moment with the death. You know, each one of us on this podcast has lost their father. Daniel, you've also lost your mother. For all those people listening right now, let's just pause with that certainty that that has already happened for you, that this is a, a space connect with the beauty and the, um, the inheritance, the gift of our family lineage, even if it wasn't an easy one to <laughs> accept at all times. And also that our parents may die before us. And if it is so, then we will also get broken um, again. And in Passover, the middle matzah represents the brokenness of the heart. You know, there are three matzahs. Um, the middle matzah gets hidden on Passover. And then the children go searching for it all through the house. It's the best hide and go seek game like ever treasure hunt, you know, like, where is this Afi Komen? Where is it? And, you know, it's wrapped up, it's hidden and they look and look and look. And eventually, you know, they hopefully <laughs> they find it and they return it to the table and then they get paid. It's like the first time you get paid, it's like, wow, you did a great act. And what are they getting paid for? bringing that broken part of us, that innocence, the part that like breaks through this entire lifetime through the losses of people around us and other traumatic things and bringing it back together for a moment to experience wholeness again. <laughs> oh. And uh, whew, it's like the most powerful teaching really of Passover is like, whoa, we're broken and it's okay to be broken. And we must trust that the children bring us back to feeling whole, the innocence, even if we don't have children, but a sense of looking, even if you don't have a child, go looking for that Afi Komen this year. See if you can find that childlike spirit that is pure. Yeah, I bring it up mainly because the main human being and Dan on your heel, heel, um, heel story podcast, you know, one of your last episodes was, you know, about Holocaust, the Holocaust, right? And my, um, my uncle was one of the survivors of the Holocaust. He escaped into the forest and he, he lived in the forest and my, he never mentioned a thing of what that was like, but 
I'll tell you, when I sat down at the Passover table with him, he never had to say what it was like. It was just like being with him was knowing what it was like. This was like humility. You know, the matzah represents humility. And David was, David Alpert just represents humility, knowing like what can happen is so awful in life. And, and yet, he celebrated so incredibly, such beauty. So I wonder, you know, like as I relay that story and I, I think back, you know, as my father was born in the Great Depression too, you know, when I laugh, I mentioned this maybe to some of the Jewish community, but I wanted everyone to know this. When I laugh, it's, it's the way that I connect to my father. I, I bring him back to life when I laugh. That's like my instead of waiting a year, you know, on the yard side to honor him. That's like why I do laughter yoga is I honor him by bringing his joy and simplicity back. And, um, and I wonder, I would love to hear from, from, from you, Daniel and Brian, like, just like what the gift of your, your father and for you, Daniel, your mother too, like, what, what did you inherit? Not, not, I'm not talking about the financials. I'm talking about what was the gift that you've gotten clear you've inherited? Well, I've been thinking a lot about this. My father passed away on St. Patrick's Day oh. um, <laughs> uh, several years ago. And so it was just St. Patrick's Day. And so I was thinking a lot about my father just last week and I, I think for, for my father, really one of the deepest um, things that I inherited from my father is a very um, strong sense of responsibility for the collective well-being. And from my mother, a, a kind of embodied creativity of how to dance with that. And the combination of the two of them was a, you know, untenable household. <laughs> they, they couldn't stand the heat, so they got out of the kitchen. Uh, they got divorced when I was about... 12, 13, but I got to stay in the kitchen my whole life. <laughs> Sometimes I joke about it with, when I hear if somebody's getting a divorce. I'm like, just remember, your kids aren't getting a divorce. <laughs> you may not be able to put up with your partner anymore, but your kids have got to put up with the both of you for the rest of your lives. Um, but so, yeah, it was really finding the beauty of how the two of them mixed together in my life, my mother and my father. And they, they both really were so different. I mean, it was like archetypal difference and religious difference and socioeconomic difference and different relationships to um, colonialism and privilege and trauma you know they they were so different it was remarkable 
And so I think actually for me, a big part of the inheritance is how to make sense of difference. Like just needing to make sense of there's such different kinds of people in the world and they can love each other and they can fall in love with each other. They can make babies. They can have, they can try to have families, but they're so different. Um, really did kind of stretch me into trying to understand difference and how people are different in the world. And um, that's, yeah, such a gift. I mean, I am so grateful for both of my parents and I was particularly thinking about my father. Another thing I did inherit from the Jewish side of my family was this kind of un, unfazed look into death. Like they, they were not really scared about death. And in some ways they would make a lot of jokes about things that were really dark and macabre. And they would laugh and they would make jokes about their own fragility. Like a self-deprecating humor is really deep in me. And so I, I can kind of go through a lot of things in life, you know, traumas and things. And I, you know, within a day, I'm like laughing about <laughs> it. And it's not funny per se, but I definitely, you know, might be laughing at my fragility. I might be laughing at how, you know, silly I was thinking, you know, the thing that I thought 10 minutes before that thing I did, whatever it was. <laughs> so yeah, it's just, even last week, my, um, my wife's grandfather is really dealing with a lot of intense health issues. And even my wife's family really just, laughter just came so natural and it came really natural for me that I just I kept thinking back to my father's family and there's something really important about being able to, to kind of laugh at yourself and laugh in the face of things that are so immense and so much bigger than ourselves um, and that that is really powerful and healing in itself. Mm, thank you wow quite an inheritance. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, what about you, Brian? Oh, man. <clears throat> I'm, I still discover gifts, I feel like every day. It's, it's only been a couple years for me, but there's, you know, just little, little glimmers of my dad here and there everywhere. <laughs> it's really amazing. Uh, I think one of the big things though for me is is definitely the you know my dad was a lawyer and he he fought for the underrepresented a lot of his life and uh, you know I didn't really realize that until he he died really because I I didn't really think about it and uh then I started doing couples therapy before I got married and uh we my, my therapist was like what was some of the music that your dad used to listen to and I was like oh the moody blues and I've been listening to a lot of the moody blues because you know just thinking about my dad and man I've I've started listening so much deeper to the the lyrics and all the music from my dad's time and realizing that a lot of the things that he left me with were 
this clarity into these systemic issues, really, through the, through the, the, the voice, the outlet of music. <laughs> and my passion around music, I think, is uh, I have a lot, a lot of that to thank my dad. And, you know, it's, it's really amazing. <laughs> Just thinking about all these, especially with, with my daughter now, I've, we've been listening to so much music in the past two months that she's been alive. <laughs> and to be thinking about like all these little subtle imprints that I'm putting or inputting on her consciousness and the music that I'm listening to and how, how much more I actually am conscious of these these things that I'm exposing her to <laughs> and exposing myself to also is really just, it's just wild. But I also wanted to mention too, my mom's, my mom's mom, the mom that adopted her um, was a World War II vet and she helped to liberate Dachau. And um, we, we grew up with a, a very, um, intense understanding of the Holocaust and, and my my dad's mom and or my my dad's mom's mom came here off the boat from Germany with with them and so there was a lot of reflection in our in my youth on on death too and I also think a lot about um, one of my you know, I never never met him, but I call him one of my gurus, and his name is Ramdas Richard Richard Alpert. And you know, his his job for a lot of his life was a death doula, and it was it was hanging out with people that were on the cusp of life and death. And so that I feel like that was another bit of my ancestry, kind of just reaching out to me when I was like 19 and saying, "Hey, like this guy, he's." he's got something to say that is really important for you to listen to. And it, it crossed through that kind of, I didn't, he's not necessarily my family, but I feel like he was like a, a father to me in a lot of ways. Cause my dad had his first stroke when I was only 14, I think. So there was a lot of developing that was still happening in my, my brain and my body and, and everything. And I, my, my dad, at that point had he lost a lot of his speech he lost a lot of his emotion he went from being a very angry hair trigger kind of guy to a, a guy that was the hair trigger was crying and and laughing to tears and that was also really a touching thing to just realize like i'm like i'm so glad that my dad held on to that side instead of the angry side and i got a big smiley face tattoo on my shoulder for my dad when I was 19, just because the entire time throughout his struggles, his, it felt like he just was optimistic. He was happy to be alive, you know, cause he had gone through a lot of, a lot of issues and it's still cracking these weird, funny jokes. And even if they didn't make sense, you know, he was trying to push that out. Like it's you're alive. <laughs> That's right. You're Embrace alive. it. Be in the moment. Ramdas, be here now, you know? That's a lot of the picture. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Brian. That was awesome. Yeah. Oh. Thank you. Whoa, what a gift. I didn't necessarily think it would totally go back, but yes, of course it must, right? Back to, back to uh, our ancestry. So again, you know, for people who still have the blessing, you may see for the listeners, you may 
see it as a blessing to have your parents or not. And yet like they brought you into the world, right? So here we are, we're here because of our mothers and fathers and their mothers and fathers and their mothers and fathers. Dan, what do you think is the, the lesson that COVID has taught us about ancestral roots, land? Mm. Well, it's definitely plural lessons. They are, there are a lot I can only imagine. Um, you know, for a lot of folks, the two biggest things were the fragility of, you know, our families and just the, for so many people that I know, the fear and the, and the practical challenges of like staying connected with their elders and their fears for their elders and their fears that they may by accidentally, you know, accidentally kill their elders and just that, that idea really, really impacted people. A lot of people I know had a really hard time making sense of that. Like, um, so that, that there was a lot there, you know, in how we stay connected to our elders, how we are scared to hurt them, how we, you know, want to protect them. And yet we are their descendants, right? So there's just an interesting dynamic there that I talked to a lot of people about. Um, I'd say that was one of the biggest common things that I heard about from folks. But for me, you know, I'll make it more personal. I moved back to my childhood home during the pandemic. And I heard something like 40% of people under 25 years old moved back home. So all those people that like left when they were 18 to go to college and all that, or maybe just to have some independence, 40% of them moved back. <laughs> and there was, you know, I know some of those folks in my family who moved back in with their parents. I moved back to the house I grew up in, but it was empty. I don't have any parents here at this house. So for me, that experience was pretty unique pretty distinct from that 40% of like the 25 and under crowd. But <clears throat> if I was just to like connect it all to that, that whole phenomenon during COVID, um, moving back to my own childhood home was profound. Um, and making sense of that, you know, the safety that I feel and the sense of feeling stuck, you know, I left this house when I was 18 years old and I didn't think I'd ever move back to this house. I thought I was like, it was a one way street. I'd get married one day, I'd have my own house. I wasn't moving back to this house. And now I'm married and I moved back to this house. <laughs> um, so, but what, what that meant for me was like confronting some fears of like, that 17 year old that felt stuck here and felt like I couldn't be my whole self here and having to confront that. Um, and I could only imagine like if I was 22 years old or 23 and my parents were still at home and still alive. And I all of a sudden was like, I gotta move home. Like that's the finances aren't working out. The, my job, you know, laid me off. 
I'm not sure where to go to feel safe. School, you know, is not what it was. College wasn't, isn't what it was a year ago. Like they've got to confront a whole bunch of connect, you know, a bunch of emotional familial dynamics that they thought they were like getting out of. Um, so I, I suspect there's a lot there. The beauty in it for sure is much deeper ancestral connectivity because we started talking about the inheritance of our, of our parents, our direct parents, but I'm glad you brought it up, Shimon, and said it several times. Like sometimes there's trauma, there's like abuse, there's misunderstanding between us and our parents. And so it's not always actually safe for people to like be around their parents. Sometimes it just feels intense. Sometimes it's actually physically unsafe. Sometimes it's just, you know, not cool because mom doesn't know anything about the kind of music that I love, whatever. All of that does to, in a sense, create some disconnect. And one of the things that I've found in the ancestral healing space and on our podcast, when you wanna, when you ask people to talk about deeper ancestral healing work, a lot of people I found get stuck in the story between themselves and their parents. Like that's so dramatic. There's so much drama. There's so much soap opera that it just takes up a lot of air just in that. And so to then ask them or suggest them like, well, what about your great grandparents? And what about the, the deeper ancestral past? Like they're just caught up in mommy and daddy. And that's real. Like that is so real and it's not to be skipped. But I will say one thing to the listeners and just like some little trick that I learned is that I, I actually found that one of the best ways to help bring perspective to the mommy and daddy issues <laughs> is the deeper ancestral past. Because it puts mommy and daddy in context, like puts them within the bigger constellation as opposed to giving them all the oxygen and giving that issue all of the weight. And that literally, what that literally meant was like, I had a lot of frustration and anger over my father about how he was at certain times in my life and just some of his own shadow and his own bullshit. I had a lot of anger about some of that. He left my mom. You know, there were things that were frustrating about that to me, all that. And it was actually in really bringing in and inviting relationships with some of the, the dead male ancestors in my father's family and just really thinking and meditating on them and their lives and like the other Roths before my father totally changed my relationship to my father because all of a sudden I had so much more empathy I, I felt like so much more understanding for the ways in which my father was and, and it didn't feel like it was just between him and I and some sort of power struggle or all of that and so I just would say you know if you're struggling with like dynamics with your mother and father and just wherever you are in that in that part of your life there, I think there's really something to kind of going around that 
and like not letting them stand in the doorway of your relationship with your ancestors. Because if you, if you take on that, you know, decision to kind of go around them and go in a different door, you might have to climb in the window to get in the house. But then by the time you kind of rummage around the house and you come back out from behind them, because they're still standing in the doorway, you'll have a totally different perspective on why they're standing in the doorway and why they raised you the way they did and why they weren't there for you or, or they were there for you. But there's a history to that. And I just, that was a real, like kind of a game changer, but also a kind of um, like defied my common sense. I thought like I had to like heal my relationship with my father to have a good relationship with my father's family. Mm. Kind of, that was like a, a theory that I had when I was younger. Like, oh yeah, you, and psychotherapy kind of defaults to that. You know, psychologists and psychotherapists often talk, you know, and kind of focus on like issues with your parents as like a core, you know, teacher and a core wound. But you could spend 30 years in therapy and I think you could actually maybe get further if the therapist or just whoever else or yourself just took some time to really like widen the lens to the, all the people standing behind them. And I mean, that's why I'm a huge fan of family constellation work because it's like, it just takes you right into the embodiment of that system and takes you out of your head and like the kind of like soap opera stories we get mm -hmm. caught up in real parents. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Family constellation work. I also mm -hmm. highly recommend that. It, it's incredible, you know, being a parent now, you know, if I hadn't looked back and not that I've spent as much time as, as you, Dan, I mean, you've gone on journeys all over the world, connecting with elders and like, you know, you're, Heal Story podcast, you know, just is incredible in, in the synchronicities that happen when we do the work and we actually trace our, the tracks backwards. Doesn't mean we're going into the past. It actually allows us to get present, right? So mm -hmm. it seems like from there, then raising families moving forwards, becomes a little bit easier to understand how to do that <laughs> right let, let me just bounce off that idea really quick which is the, the other big aha moment in my own ancestral healing process was it, it kind of bends time and space we think about ancestors as like a temporal thing as a time thing as like people in the past but i think what you just said a moment ago of like those footsteps footsteps actually take you to other places in this time and all of a sudden you start realizing like time and space are not what you thought they were <laughs> that you can access the past by going to other places and it gets all sorts of weird and multi-dimensional <laughs> <laughs> and that's where laughter is so great right because when the mind's like wait a second are you saying I what can't I keep up. <laughs> <laughs> right. So laughter back to the present. <laughs> I just wanted to chime in for a second. I have, I've been having this like recurring thought. Um, 
when, when I'm eating particularly, and I, I tend to eat my food kind of quick. And I've been tuning into that a lot lately. And, you know, being a new parent, I, I've been noticing these new patterns that I was never really aware of. And that's like been one of them. I think that I kind of broke that for a while and now it kind of started coming back. But it's uh, it's really interesting just to think like, you know, just to give a little context to what you were just saying with tracing things back a little further. For for my dad growing up, um, he w- he grew up in Levittown, New York, and he was raised in a in kind of like a poorer family, and they they finished their food. <laughs> and I remember when I was younger, like the whip was cracked at the dinner plate at the dinner table. Like you, you finished your plate. <laughs> and a lot of the times I think I, I, I just have this flashback to like me being a kid and like that, that happening and my mom being like now, like current, current day, like my dad, you know, your dad grew up in a family where like they had to finish it. Cause like food was really precious to them. And, you know, and just to, to feel that kind of reverberating now in my life and, and, me giving it that that kind of presence, I feel like is is doing a little bit of work and doing like a little bit of just patchwork for my future. And, you know, it's healthier to slow down and be present with the food that you're eating than it is to just like, you know, vacuum, vacuum up the food. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that was what I kept thinking about while you were talking. I was like, wow, yeah, it's it's so interesting to think about that that whole, how was my dad raised versus how did my dad raise me? And and now there's epigenetic research on how that's transmitted, even genetically. Mm. Let's not even get into the psychological, spiritual, emotional realm, but just like epigenetically, like children of people who have experienced food insecurity and starvation, like they can track epigenetic change and propensity towards uh, food and metabolism based issues to ancestors who starve. Wow. That's amazing. Well, it gets, it gets really interesting with, with epigenetic. The other, the other thing that I keep seeing too with that is a parallel between my family and my wife's family. And, you know, I, I try as often as I can to move with like a, um, an intention based in abundance, right? Like I've tried to move past that scarcity mindset. That's one of the spaces where it really shines bright for me, the scarcity with the food, just like, but that's like, that, that, yeah, that's like, that's amazing to think about really like how that, that is something that is trained on such a sub subconscious level. To, to be like really wary of the things that are around you. Whew. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what were you gonna say, Dan? It, it's just, it's all such a reminder of how we are collective beings. Mm. Just the, I'm constantly reminded of how there's like a mirage of independent individuality that that is it's like it's a mirage i mean i i really feel like they're going to one day look back on this era of kind of individualism 
They'd be like, yes, once upon a time, there was this <laughs> mythology of individuality. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> that, and part of that is just, it's, it hasn't been around forever and it won't last forever. You know, the astrologers will probably tell us something about why that is, or who knows <laughs> how big your cosmology is. Well, I'm sure give some explanation for what I'm talking about right now, but um, that's, that's really profound. I mean, you can, it can be as simple as like eating and food in relationship to like scarcity or abundance in our relationship to how fast we eat. Or, or it could be like, you know, cortisol levels around like stress and how you react to, um, you know, stress response, you know, stressors in your life and your stress response. If somebody in your family from several generations ago, you know, had a traumatic, collect, particularly collective trauma with like very unique signatures in epigenetic phenomena. Mm. Like we're not, the individuals we like to think we are. Right. Yep. <laughs> and now, like from COVID, there's a collective trauma. You know, we could say, hey, you know, I got my vaccination, or maybe you're not getting your vaccination, whatever, you know, we're all choosing to do. But there is a collective trauma, and we don't know exactly how it's registering. Um, yikes. <laughs> and so, you know, whoa, what's the way that we work with this? Like, you know, looking back, my father was born in 1919 during the Spanish influenza, you know, and that he was one year old, 1920, I believe was the Spanish influenza. Is that correct? Yeah. And that marked him. And now this is going to mark us. And, um, so then we come back to laughter, right? Because wait a second, we don't get out of this life, this life unmarked, unscathed. <laughs> ah, uh oh, <laughs> perfection isn't what we thought. And maybe, maybe, what do you think? You know, in terms of inheritance, we also inherit, like you were saying, Dan, Daniel, like there's plenty that you love that you inherited and stuff that you didn't. Same with you, Brian, same with me. Just spoke with my sister and she was like, yeah, like our father didn't like to talk about hard things. He didn't like to have those conversations. And I don't either. <laughs> you have a podcast where you laugh a lot. I mean, <laughs> I it's a good it answer. <laughs> I laugh about the hard things. I let the deeper, you know, Daniel and Brian can talk about the harder things on <laughs> the vibe keeper. But, you know, on some level, we all cope in our own way with life challenges. And like you were saying, this collective community that we're all in, if there isn't compassion and we don't have a sense of humor around ourselves and the way that we cope and the way that other people cope, it makes it very difficult to get along. It makes it more like you're annoying, right? It's easy to get into the family constellation just with our neighbors. So my gosh, here we go into you know the, the spring 
um, into Passover. You know, we're, we're coming to the end of a winter, thankfully, and yet there are going to be some marks. So I don't know, Dan, Daniel, I love Dan and Daniel. They're great people, both of them. You can talk to, can talk to both of them. I'll... Great. There's probably a couple in the space. And to your lineage, uh, the Roths and the Grafsteins, now what? What would our ancestors say to us? What would our fathers, what would their fathers, what would our lineages say to us and to the listeners? If we would just, let's get present and see if they'll speak through us for a moment towards now what, everyone? What do we, now what? You know, my ride up here today, Victoria and I were talking about the, um, you know, like seven degrees of separation. And that, that kind of makes me think about, you know, the family vibe. I grew up in a, f a family of five, but then we had, you know, the, the cousins or like more like family friends that were basically like brothers <laughs> and sisters. And to think about neighbors filling those, those, you know, that those seven people that are, so there's seven degrees of separation. And there's also the, the idea that you are composed, you know, of the, the people that you hang out with the most, like the seven people that you hang out with the most, maybe I'm just making that up, but that is, um, that's where my mind was going. And to think about like, one thing that I've been really present of is environmental impact through the people that I surround myself with, especially in this time where, you know, it's like everybody's forming a pod and all that jazz to, to be, be with friends and still be socializing in some way while being safe. And man, what a thought it is to put in, like, for me, I'm really lucky. Cause like my, the people that I see the most are some of my, my clients for massage. And I, I like, I love giving massage. I also, I'm very lucky to be in a career where I can choose my clients, <laughs> choose the people that I work with. And yeah, I, I just, I feel for the other people like that, that don't really have as much of a choice, you know? And and my dad was one of those people that didn't really have much of a choice. He was helping everybody that would come through his door. So I'm not, not entirely sure what exactly what he would say in this moment, besides maybe just be, be present with the people that you surround yourself with. You know, maybe that is the message that he is sending me just now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> what about for you, Daniel? My, my father had a famous, uh, I don't know, famous is perhaps the better term, famous saying, uh, don't laugh at giraffes, don't sneeze at bees, and beware of wolves. <laughs> he, he started telling me that line when I was like a baby, and he was still saying it to me as he was dying. Um, and I almost feel like it's one of those, you know, Cohen's, it's like an unanswerable question. It's, it's not, 
to be under, it's like not to be literally interpreted. Um, and the, the other thing that he would often say is the best investment is the investment you make in yourself. Those are two things. Um, and just to connect those dots a little bit, um, I think this is a really important time to, to do the healing work on ourselves. And, you know, I, I think social movements, Gandhian, you know, philosophy of around social movements and a lot of spiritual traditions around social transformation come back to, you know, be the change that you want to see in the world. And so if you, if we want to see a healed world, if we want better public health systems, if we want more equity in our world, we really have to do some deeper work on ourselves and really come to terms with like the shadow and the joy together. Um, and, it, and it takes an investment. It's like, that doesn't come easy. You have to, you have to kind of dedicate some time and some energy to investing in yourself in that particular way. And, and now is a really good time for that. This is kind of a trauma. It's a kind of a, a collective shift that's occurred during this pandemic period. And um, this is a really good time to, to re, you know, to grow some new roots. And um, at the same time, I, I don't think any of us, you know, have, have all the answers. So it's really, it feels like a really important time to create collective understanding. Um, and that's what I feel like a lot of social movements and social justice movements are pushing for right now is kind of new collective understanding about the story um, that we've all been part of. And let's just be more real about that collective story. There's the joyful sides of it and there's some really dark shadows that have not been able to be talked about publicly. So I just think now's a really good time to invest in ourselves, to, to not you know, take ourselves too seriously and to, to be real about the collective story that, that we're trying to tell today. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. My, uh, my father said, keep it simple. That was the one thing I heard. And so I'm going to go with that. <laughs> and um, so simply put, you know, the, uh, what we discussed today was the, the trajectory of time that, wow, maybe it's possible to heal now what happened in the past by going to those places our ancestors have lived, eating the foods that they've eaten, maybe even going to the home where they lived, uh, having conversations with people in the same town, you know, stepping into their shoes and getting context as to where our parents are at, if they're still here and how they raised us without taking it so personally, contextualizing our parents. And then that providing the opportunity for us to be with, whether we have families directly, biologically, or our neighbors, right? That we get to create a new uh, story, a new collective paradigm. Yeah. 
Yeah. I also want to put an invitation out there and combine what all three of us just said and to really consider like that the environment that you're surrounding yourself is basically a cone. You can't, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sitting here laughing to myself because I'm like, yeah, I'm lucky that I get to choose my clients. But in reality, like the people that come to me are the people that come to me and the people that surround you are the people that are going to surround you. Like that's, that's just the way it's going to be. And they're all going to show us these shadows and these gifts and these really incredible lessons. <laughs> so to be present and to be simple and not to like put too much overemphasis into anything. It's all just, it's all just this, this thing that's happening and we get to be present for it. So I, I'd like to invite all of our listeners to just take, take a minute, tune in to what's going on in your life and just feel the resonance feel what it's what's got to say you may not be able to put it to words for who knows you may there may be nothing really but there may be something really special that you just you know get to watch the wind blow the dirt off of thank you brian so uh why don't we take a minute to just presence it how you can get in contact with daniel roth from his podcast, which is awesome, incredible, and he's yeah, heal and the name story, heal story. You know the the journey, the journey of our to ancestry through the stories. And um, is there any other way that people can reach you? Um, we're on Facebook. We're on um, our website is the primary way. We're on Spotify. Our web our podcast is on Spotify, iTunes, um, and those are the, the primary ways. Um, reach out to us through Facebook, through the website. Um, we're actually just starting to record episodes for season two. So if you, any of your listeners, have a really ex exciting story of of a moment in their lives that really transformed their relationship with their ancestors. Uh, you might be, uh, you know, interested in, in joining the Heal Story uh, community of storytellers. So you can reach out through our website. There's a there's an entry form if you want to say hi and propose a story for the the next season. Awesome, thank you. Yeah. So let's take a moment to pause. 30 seconds with um, with the families that we were born into and with the families that that bore our families just get present to the gift of life Uh, and with gratitude, we'll end with a final ha 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 to just connect and clear. <laughs> Yay! Thank you, families. Thank you, families. Yay! Thank you, Yay. ancestors. <laughs> Thanks, Daniel. That was fun. Thank you, Brian.